Kat. And I'm Kurt, and you're listening to Kat and Kurt's TV Review. Welcome to episode 188, All Alone in a Strange World. This week we're discussing season 3, episode 8 of Battlestar Galactica, Hero, and season 3, episode 20 of Angel, A New World. As always, we suggest you watch the episodes before you listen to the podcast. Also, if you haven't done so already, you may want to listen to our first podcast to get an idea of our methodology. Okay. So, uh, yeah, this week we're starting with BSG. We've got some, uh, you know, was trying to think about how to um, go about, uh, you know, doing this. And I felt like maybe just talking through all of the backstory um, as told through, like, the flashbacks and, um, you know, the, the some of the exposition that we get. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then and then kind of move to the primary story. And I, I mean, you know, the risk of that is because, like, like, the way this episode is structured is, you know, it's sort of revealed uh, throughout the story, throughout, you know, the episode, how, you know, Bulldog sort of gets the full story revealed to him and, and like the other. So, like, there is sort of that risk of, like, I mean, obviously, we've already watched the episode, so not a risk. But, like, it has a different tone of course like talking about the flashback stuff first because it's like oh we're gonna talk about all the stuff that like people don't really learn until like throughout the story but i mean nothing necessarily matters but right there's sort of they're playing on and i mean i guess we can talk about that if we can kind of remember even if we talk about it out of order we can try to retain the the points at which you the audience learn certain pieces of information because that's like a big source of like the tension right. and everything has to do with you learning things about yeah. what happened as the characters do. Um, although like Adama knows everything and then slowly other people sort of realize what happened. Yeah. Um, and, but and if, I guess if the episode's effective, too, right? Well, right. Yeah. Right. I mean, that's kind of the implication is that he knows right away. Um, Mm-hmm. Which is why Adama goes to him first, I guess. Um, so, right, all right. So, uh, instead of talking about the backstory, let's actually talk about the backstory. Um, <laughs> yeah. So basically, what happens, as we learn, um, is that Adama was sent on um, a sort of black ops mission. Uh, by the Admiralty, uh, you know, of the colonial fleet, uh, you know, to go check on the Cylons and see what's up. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. I mean, I don't, I don't know that, like, I don't know that we get a real clear sense. It's just like, hey, go see if you can find out anything about what's going on because we haven't heard from them in a while. Yeah. Right. And so, um, The suggestion that we get later, well, okay, sorry, let's just talk about what happens and then we can talk about implications. Okay. Um, so, so they go and do that. And um, I, I, one of the things that I'm not clear on is how much Bulldog knows at the time. Cause he, you know, 
he knows that like like obviously they go beyond the line because like and we see in the flashback like Bulldog's like oh I'm two clicks past the line or you know whatever mm-hmm. and um how, however far a click is um you know but it's unclear what he thinks they're doing right um like does he know the full story about what the admiralty did and whatever and how much of the rest of the crew knows right um i'm not sure i'm not sure we i mean i don't yeah so let me let me bring up one of my issues and it's not it's not the end of the world because i think it was an oversight and it's it's like a plot hole that i feel like it frustrates me that i feel like you could have really easily fixed this and they just didn't think to um but you know it, it, it is what it is and it's kind of you're stuck with it which is like when does this story take place because they say a and, year and, before, right? Right, which is nonsense because Adamas had the BSG for longer than a year when the series starts, right? Like they make reference to the fact of, oh, it's been an honor to serve with you for three years or whatever. Like, I mean, he hasn't had it for 20 years, but he's been there with his current crew for at least several years. Um, well, the crew could have transferred with him, though. Like, just because so, crew has served so with him. This gets me to my point, though, which is I feel like the only point of making it the Battleship Valkyrie as opposed to the Battlestar Galactica is that to have it so that the crew don't know what happened to Bulldog. Like, to have it be new people. Because, like, you feel like the CIC would know the mission, right? Like, it seems to me that that Ty is really the only one who knows what's going on here. Like, you would think that, like, if Gaeta and D and some of the other people were around at the time, that they would have known more about what happened and would have known the order to shoot Bulldog down. They would have been the ones to shoot him down. Um... And so the yeah. point of having it be the Valkyrie is that whoever those people are, they don't work here. And that this is, right. a, like apart they were, from They were Ty, dispersed among the rest of the fleet that right. eventually got destroyed. Right, right. Or Adama got transferred away and they got a new commander. And then, so it's only Adama and Ty that, or, or know, yeah. or, that know this, this the real, uh, at least still living, are the only ones that know what the mission is and what they did. Because otherwise, other people would know. So um, it's just—I mean, a, it's not it. It there's just some confusing bits there. That yeah, yeah, yeah. I think if they thought about it more, they could have come up with an easy solution to any of those issues. They just didn't really bother to do that. Um, right, and since like someone s- someone misplaced their, you know. Uh, the series, series Bible, Bible exactly, yeah, and like, like with you, you a, know, a check against that, you could have, yeah, you know, fixed like there these is a problems. timeline here, and we're just going to ignore it to do whatever. Right. Right. So, okay, right. here's here's the sort of devil's advocate retcon mm-hmm. that one could play. Sure. So who is it that says he served with? Uh, Adama for three years. Is that Gaeta? I feel like Gaeta and Chief both say something about like we've so, served with well, you okay. for so many we, years. 
we we can rule out chief because like he's a deck guy and wouldn't necessarily know what the command is to shoot down sure bulldog um right so say that gata has been serving so gata and ty says i've served with gata for four years when they're about to throw him out the airlock too so he says the same thing and again like okay does serving with him mean that gata was in the cic for those four years like Right. Could could Gata have been could Gata have transferred right. with him from the Valkyrie, and then been promoted to the CIC? Sure. I mean, sure. This is I I I realize I'm doing some work to like to 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 do some retcon here to make it fit. And you're yeah, right, yeah, like they could have they could have easily done a better job of you know making it a more sensible backstory, but. Um, like I feel like there's enough ambiguity, mm-hmm. and also you can, sure you can make it work. We don't see Gata's, uh, you know, uh, part of the story here at all. Like maybe he perfectly, sure. maybe he knows perfectly well what happened, but he's always trusted, you know, Adama, and so you know, right? He just never says anything or whatever. Like sure, sure. You know, he is sort of a team player in that way. Like, you could sort of believe, like, it's believable that Gaeta, you know, would have, uh, you know, done that order, not liking it, but still mm-hmm. completed it, especially sure. given what we see with, you know, how how much he's willing to do with Baltar. Sure. You know, who he respects much less. Right. Sure. <laughs> Yeah. Um, no, I mean, yeah, I think I mean you you can make it. I I, I think had they simply said um, it was three years prior to the Cylon attack, I would be right. a lot happier. But like, it, it's not. I I did preface it by and saying then that I don't the think this is the biggest deal. Theory. I think it is a a mathematical error that they didn't really think through quite as right. well as they could have. But I do think you're right. You can kind of. Uh, squint your eyes and kind of make it work if you um, if you think about it hard enough. Um, and I don't, and I don't think it, problem, it doesn't change the essence of the story. It's just a stupid plot hole, yeah. really. You know? I mean, I've I've been annoyed at stuff too. You're allowed to be annoyed <laughs> with stuff. Like, I mean, this is this this. Try is not to like, sound too. Uh, I, I'm usually not the the picky pedantic one, but um, but this just nice, bugs me. It's nice to have the roles <laughs> reversed so long. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I mean the the problem with setting it further back in time, of course, is then you lose the immediacy yep. of the attack and yep. and Adama blaming himself, you know, as a direct cause. Like if it's yeah. three years, yeah. then there's more openness to something else have, having have happened, mm-hmm. having having happened. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, rather than it being like, oh, I did this thing, and then a year. Right or so later right. you know there was this attack you know m- makes it feel like a l- little more yeah uh, direct cause behind it uh, sure although as, no and that's as probably Roslyn, why they did it that way yeah right and as Rosalind points out though of course that that argument's bs as well sure um but yeah who who knows like i don't disagree that like when you think about it, that is annoying. It didn't bother me in watching it as it clearly does you. And I think that's just due to my 
Well, and memory of uh, or or lack of memory about those you know comments related to and to be honest i don't think i ever noticed this before this time like it never really occurred to me i think it's only because we've been doing the slow close reading that i've actually been paying attention to like things like the exact timelines of when people have served with who so having those details fresher in my memory just made it seem a little bit more odd um to me this time yeah. um, well and it's always hard with the introduction of like a new character who's like supposedly knows everyone but we've never seen them before like right right um yeah it's it's just kind of like oh okay um you're this guy and right it's never as meaningful to the audience as it is to the characters to right. like meet the guy who everyone knows and you're like yeah you're just some guest actor like you're not really one of the team right and but like we don't see bulldog again ever right like mm-hmm. he's just sort of presumed to like still be in the fleet living somewhere. in the fleet yeah right right um right whether that was even though the like plan or not them- i don't know yeah Adama still gives him a pilot's uniform and they're in desperate need of pilots, yet we never see him again. Right, um, right. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. So, anyway. So, the point being that, like, he goes over the line intentionally, purposefully, mm-hmm. uh, under command, you know, does it. Uh, and then Adama... Uh, when to Cylon ship, or presumably Cylon ship, I think it, well, this is the other thing, right? Like, they don't know who, what these ships are, but, like, they're clearly Cylon Raiders. Like, how can they not, like, know, mm-hmm. identify these ships? Like, mm-hmm. did they, sometime within the year between that and the attack, like, suddenly become able to identify Cylon ships? Like, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so they shoot down. So here's okay. So here is the thing. Well, is here that, is this the thing that tells them how to identify Cylon ships? I mean, possibly, but like, like now we know. Like what these they are look like, like these are Cylon Raiders, right? So, like the Cylon Raiders, I I presume that Cylon Raiders are similar to the Centurions insofar as like they existed in like old, you know. Sure. Like before, before the rebellion, right? right? So, like, like the design were... hasn't really changed that much, and yeah, right. Or I mean, I don't know. I guess it. I guess it depends on because what this is. This is a good question, right? So, the Cylon Raiders are part biological mm-hmm. and part mechanical. So maybe I'm wrong. Maybe maybe the ships that the humans are familiar with are all mechanical. Mm-hmm. Right, and that, like, as the mechanical intelligence increased, that's that w- that's where the growth of the biological component mm-hmm. of Cylon physiognomy, or whatever you want to call it, like, started to take shape. So maybe, maybe there is, like, an aspect of the Cylon Raiders, or at least these, this particular model, where you know, over the last 40 years, they've become biological or partly biological, mm-hmm. whereas before maybe they never were. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, who knows? I don't know. I still tend to think that, like, it seems odd that, like, they couldn't identify Cylon ships yeah. then and then, like, a year later, like, that they can. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't think there's, 
like aren't they able to identify him like in the pilot series like in the miniseries i mean like well they or, or but, do they not see the i'd have to go back and watch exactly how it's edited but my memory is that they know about the attacks before they actually see Cylons in the pilot. It's like they get the fleet-wide call that there's a Cylon attack on the colonies, and they go in knowing, okay, we're going... So it's sort of like they know to be looking for weird enemy ships and stuff. So does that mean that they know what they're going to look like? I don't know. Um, and maybe that's open to interpretation. Um, but I yeah. feel like there's at least... The way Adama presents it is that there's at least enough doubt that he could lie to himself for three years that he knew what these, like, he was pretty sure that they were Cylons, but not, there's that maybe 2% that he could allow himself to be self-deceived about. Maybe it was something else. Um, so... Maybe it's it's that of of they're similar enough that you would think you could make that leap, but he's they're ambiguous enough or they're different enough to allow himself to not really have to face the reality of of what they really were. Um, yeah, maybe. So okay. Um. And sorry, just a, one last thing on that topic. I feel like past this point, um, whenever we get anything that's like flashbacks, like there's like the stuff in like Razor or Blood and Chrome or whatever, just to jump ahead, that deals with like flashbacks to the first war. At that point, we're kind of in retcon territory where we're dealing with things that are designed after this episode, you know? So it's like, at this point, I don't think we've seen any actual scenes of what they looked like 40 years ago, what the Raiders looked like in the first Cylon War. So I don't know that we have any real concrete evidence to go no, on but, as far as we, what does Adama have to 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 compare them to or whatever. We, we have seen Adama and Ty as young men, though, as, <laughs> quote, young men. Well, and they didn't change at all. So, you know... <laughs> Maybe that gives you well, some, the mustache. But some anyway. clue about um, if 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 the, wouldn't it be funny if Silent Raiders evolved more in forty years than like Adama and Ty actually right. aged? That would be wonderful. <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> right. Okay. So so yeah. So in order to so okay, here's the other thing. Right. I never actually explained why I was irritated. Right. Oh, okay. so, so you, you, you explained you explain your irritation. Now I'm going to explain mine. Okay. So how is blowing up a ship avoiding detection? Hmm. Like, like, wouldn't that like you would think that like an ex like a random explosion in space, which the Cylons will be able to go investigate because it's right. in their territory. So right. why not? Like. Having a you know this random explosion in space, like how does that make it less likely that they would be detected? Especially when they can go and see and be like, "Oh, hey, these parts look awfully a lot like a colonial viper, mm -hmm. like these blown up bits of metal." Um, 
Right. And it's like, okay, is it is it just to avoid like capture and interrogation but then that's exactly what happens so you would have been better to like rescue the guy rather than (laughs) shoot him down so it kind of ends up achieving the very thing that it's supposed to avoid Um, and and yeah um yeah and so i you know i feel like there's a general trend in this episode of not entirely well thought through like plot mechanics maybe um sure you know which like okay like i feel like there's some um there's maybe some interesting stuff that we learn like about adama in this episode and like his backstory but i'm not sure whether that like totally supports everything that like happens in the story like, I'm not totally enamored of the episode in general. And it might be that the it, it's just not very well thought through in terms of the detail of who did what, for what reason, and how that exactly that went down. And, you know, what that implies and everything. Sure. Um, um. Yeah. So yeah. Okay. So for so so for not very well reasoned, you know, reasons, um, Adama <laughs> does for for reasons. Adama shoots down Bulldog. Has, hashtag the, reasons, as the kids say, um, because reasons, and uh, you right. know that is what happens. And of course, uh, it doesn't work. And you know they they, you know do pick up Bulldog, who, like, sees the missile coming, like, you know, half a second I, before it actually comes and able, is able to escape. So, <laughs> all right, since, like, we've totally gone off of, like, actually analyzing this episode in, like, a critical way, but, um, or we're being critical of it, but... <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, well, some criticism is also critical, so... <laughs> no, but... Uh, Looking, looking ahead, since you've already, since you've broken the seal and, you know, looked ahead to Razor okay. and whatnot, I want to look ahead to um, uh, the use of modern rock and roll uh, music in <laughs> Battlestar Galactica. Sure. When they pull out uh, Jimi Hendrix's, you know, um, mm-hmm. uh, version of All Along the Watchtower. And um, I think that they should have included uh, the Beatles' Hey Bulldog. In this episode. <laughs> like that would have been like when he's like, like I don't when he's like, I don't know what at what point yeah like, yeah like maybe it's his workout <laughs> music, workout music. <laughs> um, but yeah no, I'm being <laughs> like, a listen, little he'd like have his own theme song right good workout music hey, yeah yeah um, anyway well <laughs> or like so... or like just like even a more subtle reference of like uh like when he like when Ty opens the door and he just says something like. Hey, Bulldog. <laughs> Just like a stupid Beatles yeah. reference. Um, yeah. I, I, hey, um, I've brought up the use of, um, you know, diegetic and non-diegetic music in this show before already. And sure. we get the opera house again in this episode, you know, with the, uh, with the opera music that goes, it's not exactly opera music, but that big like orchestral theme that goes along with it. So 
I think if you're going to bring out, you know, some uh, anachronistic rock and roll, this would probably be a good place to do it. Um, to shame. That I mean, it couldn't have made the it. episode. It couldn't have made the episode worse. <laughs> so I mean, sure, right? sure, yeah. You might as well. The Beatles no, can't hurt. The Beatles can only help. So so and and I say that, but like I don't actually like hate this episode. Like I do think there's like you said, like there's some mechanical stuff wrong with it. But yeah, um, once we start getting in some of the character stuff, like maybe we'll redeem it enough. Sure. <laughs> uh, to 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 be able to talk about because I do think there's some good aspects, especially with Adama and some of the others. Um, sure. I I mean to be honest, like I don't like the actor is fine. Mm-hmm. Um, you know who plays Bulldog or whatever, but like as a, as the character, like mm-hmm. I don't, I'm not that compelled by him. Like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um, yeah, he's a little you, generic, maybe like kind of and and given like given sort of the reasons like he's he's picked like because he's a good pilot and stuff and presumably smart and mm. capable and all of that and like i get that like he was just trying to get away from the cylons but like mm. to not be at all suspicious about his cell door mm. being left open like that just seems a mm-hmm. little it, it seems out of character insofar as the description of his character by others mm-hmm. is offered. Like we don't we don't get enough of his character mm-hmm. in this episode to make our own determination, but like mm-hmm. based on everything that we that the other characters sort of talk about with him as being smart and capable and, you know, best man for the job and yeah. you know uh all of that, like right. the fact that he doesn't um, seem even the least bit suspicious about the door being open and you mm-hmm. know left open for him to escape, and um, yeah, I don't know. I just I kind of I I'm not that enamored of the character himself. Yeah, sure. I mean, so he he does make it to the Galactica. Like he's again, he's smart enough to like. You know, we 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 see Starbuck as one of the best and most capable pilots that we know well, mm-hmm. and Bulldog's able to do the same thing that she does and sort of right. break a Cylon Raider. I mean, he was presumably on a base star somewhere, and like, mm-hmm. did they not have uh, you know some of the heavy Raiders where that were like actually tr- tr- transports? <laughs> you know, for him to like sit right. in an actual cockpit and use. Right. Um, instead, he he picks one of the raiders, um, and and you know uses that, and that's all fine. And he gets back to the ship. Mm-hmm. Um, we find out later from Starbucks, sort of analysis, you, you know, from the the post game uh, analysis, right? That like, oh hey, yeah. those Cylons are intentionally missing him, and not that like he's not in collusion with them right like i mean he's he's not like yeah been brainwashed by the silence or anything it's just that like no he's been set up to you know, an, behave a certain way and yeah, yeah yeah another another ruse another sort of psychological ploy on their part to mm-hmm. um get the colonials to fight against each other mm-hmm. um 
Right, right. But again, like he's not, he doesn't really think about that. It's just like, oh, I'm such a good flyer. I flew the best and escaped. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm the best flyer, as like President Trump might say. Um, I'm the best at flying things. Um, extraordinary. So, uh, yeah, the, again, so like he, he makes it back. Um, it's sort of congratulated and, you know, talks through with Adama and Roslyn, uh, you know, they, they sort of give, you know, Adama and, and Bulldog sort of give Roslyn, um, a clearly inadequate, if not outright wrong, <laughs> you know, story about what happened, um, mm-hmm. which Roslyn sees her immediately. Like mm-hmm. she doesn't have any yeah. of it. Yeah. Um, Although she does sort of acquiesce and and trust Adama to sort of play it out, even though this might be one case where she shouldn't be trusting him. Right. right. Um, uh, and then Bulldog, you know, talks to Ty and learns what really mm-hmm. went on, went down. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and Ty's interesting to me in that. Uh, in that scene, because we know, so before that, which we can talk about later, but he has the conversation with Adama where he hears that Bulldog is back and mm-hmm. then does his like, oh, you didn't tell him yet, did you? His like, you know, that whole thing. And right. so he, he, so. That was a pretty good time. <laughs> Cover one eye when you do that next time. Oh, that, you know, <laughs> that tie thing. Um. I'm working on my tie. Um, so, what was I saying? Um, I'm Michael Hogan stuck in my head now. Um, he so he knows that as of that conversation, Adama hasn't told Bulldog, right? And then, so then he uh acts as though bulldog knows and so like kind of a question to me is is that as innocent a mistake as he plays it to be like oh he didn't tell you yet you know when he didn't tell i knew he didn't tell you yet 20 minutes ago or whenever i maybe it was a day ago who knows how long it was but Mm -hmm. he knew that adama was reluctant to share that so the fact that then he goes and just blurts it out assuming to bulldog that they've had that conversation is that a little bit of willful ignorance there is there kind of still some you know because i feel like you can still feel his his animosity towards adama in this episode you know like the way he talks about like you know like bulldog alludes to how adama would just cover ties but whenever he did anything wrong and now so ty says oh he still does that it's just he covers his own now so it's like Mm. he hasn't forgiven and you know he's still kind of in his maybe he's changed by the end of the episode but at least at that point he still is kind of blaming adama for coddling other people and and refusing to face the truth himself about whatever you know new caprica or whatever else so it seems to me like there's a little bit of you know intentional 
you know, not really by accident overstepping there of, oh, he didn't tell you this thing that I know he hasn't told you yet. Um, or see, or see, he suspects he hasn't told him yet. Right. Um, so I don't know whether you agreed with that or had an opinion one way or the other. Yeah. It's always hard for me to know or to determine whether Ty is intentionally being a jerk or if it's an aspect of his drunkenness. Sure. Um, Sure. Not not that either one of those things is better than the other. It just, I think, if you're talking about intentionality, mm-hmm. that would be my question: is you know, is it is it better or worse for him, you know, to be to be drunk or sober? Yeah. Right. And like, which one makes him more of an asshole? Sure. Sure. <laughs> um. No, and well, I mean that's a that's a that's a good question because there's stereotypes of like the happy drunk or the mean drunk, like like people yeah. with people with you know alcoholism can behave very differently depending on how it makes them behave, and it can in some cases improve their personality. You know, sure, um, it depends on the person. So yeah, yeah, some drunks um, are very gregarious and and that's maybe why either they or other people don't realize they actually might have a problem you know it's right or might indulge them in that problem you know sure. if it makes them kind of easier to i mean i feel like the message we've gotten from ty and from others is that ty is not exactly a good drunk like he's not like he's him drunk in the CIC is not a good thing. Um, sure. But, I mean, but he's also not exactly happy when he's not drinking either. Right. So maybe he's just a jerk all the time. <laughs> and, and right. And that's kind of where my question was, is like, not that he's a nice guy ever, but maybe he's a less, a less mean guy. Mm hmm in some in one of those circumstances i don't know i i'm not sure i could even say which one he's less mean right as but you know just sort of acknowledging that there's a possibility that he might be less mean as one Mm -hmm. or the other of those uh you know when he's drunk or when he's not drunk yeah I, i don't know i'm not and i'm not trying to make an argument one way or the other i think in this particular case, it's that ambiguity that makes me wonder, like, is he drunk? And if he is, or if he isn't, like, what does that, mm-hmm. what does that say about what he, like, if he isn't drunk, then, yeah, is he sort of intentionally saying that? But, like, if he is drunk, then is it just, like, he just has no filter, and so he's just saying it because he's drunk and, sure, you know whatever i don't know i guess in that case the argument could be made that like well if he is drunk then he's maybe a little less like he's not doing it explicitly to be a jerk even though it sort of comes across that way Mm -hmm. but i know again i think it's i think the ambiguity there is is more interesting than if we had a specific answer sure yeah um 
whatever the case, though, Bulldog learns from him sort of the reality of what goes on and then um, resorts to his push-ups, which is like his angry thinking time, right? Um, and then goes and confronts Adama. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, again, like, I get that he's angry. I get that, like, he has been in prison for however long on this, you know, uh, Cylon ship. But it's also, like, like, isn't the whole point of, like, doing the push-ups and, like, having time to think? Like, isn't that supposed to be, like, cooling off period? <laughs> like, right. You, you, you failed at the push-ups if, if what comes out is, you know, you being more angry. Sure. Um, and maybe that, I mean, I'm not saying that's a writer's failure, like we have sure. some of the other, that's, that could be like, maybe that's an intentional character flaw. On right. That part, right. Right. Um, right. Or is it like a, an insecurity thing of, you know, I, I, he keeps up with his physical fitness because he feels weak, you know, and it's like, it's not sure. actually making him any stronger morally it's just an indication of his own you know feeling of helplessness you know um sure you know so yeah it actually pumps him up to go attack adama rather than let off steam in any sort of way mm-hmm. right um, it builds up his adrenaline and mm-hmm. you know whatever yeah no that's that's true I, I am hearing Hey Bulldog in my head, though, even if we're talking about him, <laughs> like, sort of visualizing him doing push-ups. Do, 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 yeah. <laughs> right? Wouldn't that be, like, the perfect... It's kind of, like, good, like, running music, too. Like, you could do a good laps around Galactica with that, I think. Right. Like, it. right. That's the opening scene with Starbuck, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, like, of the miniseries. <laughs> um coming up with all sorts of ways to improve this episode yeah but i also feel like maybe shame on us because i feel like this maybe isn't the best episode of our podcast and like (laughs) i would love i would love to blame the actual episode of bsg for that but i'm not sure it's wholly on them um (laughs) my yeah uh i don't know no come on I'm going to blame them. I'm going to say, like, there's some, there's, there's some, there's some good stuff. But, like, also, like, if there was more, I feel like it's not as easy to get distracted. Sure. Um, We're just looking to fill in the time. I'm just marking time. Yeah. Um, I mean, we don't have to go the full hour on this episode, I guess. This is true. This is true. The lesson. Yeah, it's not like we haven't gone over uh, so more than all right since since we're airing grievances mm-hmm. um is this like is this like quarter festivus like it's <laughs> three months after festivus and so this is the quarterly update to the airing of grievances. Okay. um since we're doing that um, got a lot well, of like, problems with this episode and, um yeah. like ty does say all the things drunk or not mm-hmm. i mean he's definitely drunk it's just whether the question is, is that worse or not than mm-hmm. him not being drunk? Um, 
But he does say all the things necessary to have Bulldog, you know, confront Adama. Yeah. And then, like, Ty's the one who comes in and is like, dude, just deal with it. And it's like, well, why did you even, like, say that in the first place? Like, yeah. Like, you know, again, if we can be angry at Bulldog for not being for not realizing, you know, that he's being set up and mm-hmm. all this stuff. It's like, we should at least be ang- as angry at Ty mm-hmm. for, like, priming this bomb to go off. Right. Well, and that's part of why I wondered, and maybe even prefer the interpretation that it is a mean-spirited thing that he kind of intentionally spills the beans to bulldog and it doesn't just make a mistake because then i feel like mm. it makes his rescue at the end a little bit more like redemptive like like even like i don't know that they quite play it that way but it's sort of like he realizes you know and like has to like fix the mistake that he made and and a bad situation that he set up he then has yeah. to go be the one to stop so it becomes more about um, Ty's journey than about Bulldog's, really. Because, like, again, we don't know Bulldog that well. We don't see him again. Um, perfectly good actor, like you said, but, like, as a character, maybe not that interesting. And so if you think of it as a story about bringing Ty back into the fold, as you said at one point, right. then then the story becomes... Ty does something mean-spirited to sabotage Adama with this old subordinate to say, okay, fellow crew member, look at how the old man has betrayed us and set us up and, and let us down. And like, I'm going to tell you how he let you down so that I feel better about how I was let down. And then realizing um, he might actually kill him over this, he has to kind of, decide to stop that and say all right you know um at a certain point you just have to get over it and forgive um sure because wallowing in the betrayals is not going to get you anywhere um so i mean that's my kind of like i guess more redemptive reading of how i'd like the the arc to be i don't know whether whether anybody else ever agreed with me i'm not sure like if that's really what this episode is about but sure um no i and i mean i kind of agree with you like as far as like i think that is ty's journey like to some extent it it, and and you're right like i think if there is a purpose to this episode, like that's probably, that's probably it. Or Mm -hmm. that's probably closest to what we're going to get as a purpose for the episode Mm -hmm. um, is Ty's journey. So yeah, I don't disagree with that per se. I mean, I feel like, cause even, and we can sort of check off Ty at that point. Like we don't have to talk about him anymore. Mm-hmm. or bulldog really because mm-hmm. like i feel like the other aspects of the episode um one it's sort of like adama like crying to lee 
about how terrible a man he is. Uh huh. Um, which is sort of as those Adamas are want to do. Yeah, I was gonna say it's kind of a role reversal, but like you know, it's also sort of an apple doesn't fall far from the tree. Right. Right. You know, thing. Um, yeah. And, like, I don't know that there's much to say about that, because that is more, like, just exposition for, like, the backstory. Mm-hmm. Like, un- unless you have something particular to say about Lee, we can sort of check him off, too. Um, I mean, I'll take a look, but I don't think... No, I, th- I mean, I think I kind of agree that that's really more about Adama's soul-searching than it is about... than it is about Lee. Um, so... The rest of it becomes like about, you know, the stories about Rosin and the award. And mm-hmm. like, I feel like if there was something that could have been played up in the episode, mm-hmm. it would have been this. Like, mm-hmm. that, like, talking more about how they need an example of a hero and whatever. And like, I get what they're, I, I get what they're trying to do with like, you know, uh, 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 Adama being sort of like the tortured hero and doesn't mm-hmm. feel like he deserves it, especially after this episode where, you know, it's clear that he's done some bad things. Mm-hmm. But we already we already knew that about Adama anyway. Like, I mean, mm-hmm. that's not the first time we've yeah, you know, seen him do bad things. So, um, yeah, I feel like the the that aspect of it it's it's kind of undercut and. You know, oh, okay, well, the award's actually more of a punishment because Adama has to, like, face his own integrity and, Mm -hmm. you know, feels, you know, like a fraud and all of that kind of stuff. But that's kind of a, I don't know, that feels to me like a little Mm -hmm. cop-out-ish. I don't know. I feel like I'm struggling a little bit to sort of say what I mean, but the... The whole, like, I feel like that could have been played up a little bit more to, like, really, because, like, I don't know that we've got a sense that, like, the fleet needs bolstering at this point. Like, they're mm-hmm. they're free of the Cylons. Like, they've gotten away. They've, mm-hmm. you know, they're on track to, to find Earth. Uh, they've shown that the Cylons are vulnerable to things mm-hmm. like viruses. Like... Like, I kind of feel like they've had a number of wins recently. Mm -hmm. Like, that... And not to say that, like, something nice and symbolic and uh, ceremonial... uh, I almost put, like, ceremonial and sentimental together in, like, a word there. But anyway... Ceremental? Yeah, ceremental. Ceremonial. Like, like that's all fine, like, whenever. But, like... Right. Like, Roslyn and Tori kind of are like, oh, yeah, like, this is the perfect time to have an award ceremony. It's like, why? Like, like right. what makes this? Like, there's yeah. no explanation of that. And, like, a well, little more yeah, of that and, type of, you know, story or showing us why they feel that way would have been more of a yeah, and a better use of time. I <laughs> never really thought about that before. But it's a good point because I feel like in some ways, if I'm thinking it through, it's actually kind of a really inappropriate time to have a medal ceremony because I feel like 
in the most recent episodes, the big place of divide was again between the people on the ground and the people in the air. And what the people on the ground, who were the ones who were the ones, if anybody needs cheering up, it's the people who are on the ground, right? Sure. Um, what they, The last thing they need is a medal ceremony for the people who were in the air <laughs> and about how wonderful they were. Now, some of them, fine. Like, we saw people cheering and carrying Adama on their shoulders. It's not, I'm not saying that the fleet hates Adama, but, like, right. it kind of seems like that's maybe not what they need is kind of empty ceremony celebrating the heroism of people who weren't with them through the mud of New Caprica all that time. Like mm -hmm. now maybe it's Adama. So it's different. So he's in a special case and we can all gather around that symbol of what he stands for. And so maybe you can kind of get away with it. Um, but like, it feels to me kind of like inappropriate, like after those scenes in the, you know, the lunchroom or wherever, where they're, slogging it out about like you know how like how angry some of them were about you know um people like Hilo or Athena or whatever you know being happy with their titles and their positions and their fortunes kind of being like how dare you be celebratory after what we went through um so yeah I mean and maybe that adds to Adama's ambivalence about um, whether or not he deserves this ceremony. But it does kind of make you wonder, like, who, like, who is really being bolstered by this thing? And does that really make sense for where they are, you know, psychologically? Well, and, and I think, like, so if we're, if we're going to retcon this episode, like, continue retconning this episode yeah. and, and beating it into some sort of you know, acceptable shape. Mm -hmm. um, like, I feel like that's the thing that they should have addressed is like, okay, how, how does this award ceremony actually bring people yeah. together? Right. And not just like assume that like having an award ceremony will bring people together. Cause you're right. right like I can right. totally see, like if I were a ground fighter and bitter about the people in the air and they had this award ceremony, I would totally be, in that crowd and being like, oh yeah, Adama gets another effing award. Like, right, right. Whoop the right. freaking do. Right. Not like, not the resistance fighters. Right. You know? Yeah. You know? What about all of us who like, like I shot eight skin jobs on my way up, you know, and right. where's my medal, you know? Right. Like you, you, in some ways I feel like that would make it worse. Um, yeah. And it's actually making me think like how much better, um, Flight of the Phoenix was at doing that kind of thing of like showing how the chief building that airplane made such a difference to morale and this just doesn't get to that level of complexity I don't think because it showed you exactly how and why they were run down and it showed you exactly why what chief did made a difference you know whereas I feel like this it really only is like that 20 second medal ceremony at the end. Whereas maybe you're right. Maybe that should have been the focus and all this stuff with bulldog, you kind of could have learned in a shorter amount of time and not spent the whole episode on it. Right. Or I mean, right. The ceremony stuff could have still been like a B plot, but it like more of a B plot. <laughs> like just, yeah. Yeah. Like more of that and, and trim away 
Like, he can still express his frustration to both Kai and Rosalind, but, like... Right. Um, can I just ask real quick, is your... Your microphone's feeding back a little bit. Is your... Are your headphones pushed in the way or anything? Or oh. Just, like, some... Fuzzy sounds no. coming through. Is that... Is that better? That's I a little better. That's a little better. Okay. There we go. Yeah, there was some like banging and uh, it was making a weird, your voice wasn't coming through very clearly for a minute. Um, okay. I think it's okay now. Okay. Um. Yeah, well, all right. Job done. Good work, team. Um, actually, I like that idea. I think, like, I don't, maybe that's, I, maybe my general complaint about this episode is that, um, all that stuff that we just talked through in 50 minutes, not that, not that they should have done exactly what we came up with, but maybe if more thought Definitely. had gone in you would have come up with something a, a little, this just doesn't feel as well thought through as some other, yeah. you know, as some other episodes, um, especially recently, you know, like with all the new Caprica stuff, like this feels more simple compared to that. Um, yeah. Um, all right. So, last couple minutes here uh we should talk about like the other the other minor but you know potentially important uh plot line of three and mm -hmm. her dreams um and the like like the week to week you know are we uh torturing baltar or sleeping with him um or both maybe there's yeah. a little of each going on um but yeah so uh yeah well i hope just to like that's easy to jump over but significant that it goes from the last episode from that weird like kind of like her getting kind of creeped out and kind of turned on by the torture and him the same thing and then you jump to this episode and they're all in bed together um and right. so it's like like how uh, much time has passed. Right. And this like the next morning. <laughs> it's clearly significant, but how like what like you're just sort of blindsided by this this development. Um and Baltar's way to his way of kind of <laughs> worming his way into, you know, the bed of his enemies and everything. Um is sort of funny. Yeah. Uh right. So there's that. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, like, uh, so three's having dreams, apparently. Yeah. Um, and like the first one is that we see is of her um, being like trapped on the Galactica and being chased by Marines and, you know, ultimately shot um, mm -hmm. when she's sort of trapped at a bulkhead door that won't open. So, mm -hmm. um, and. Did you catch what's written on the, the, the door? Oh, I 
Don't think I did. Why? What's it's, written? It's, you know, it's wonderful. Maybe one of the best things in the episode. It says end of line. Um, oh, so I did she see gets that. To the I, end, I didn't you know. write it down in my notes, but I, I do remember seeing that. Yes, yes. Yeah. So there's the, the callback to, uh, to, the, to the hybrid, the cyborg, um, the hybrid. And, and the kind of joke of it's her dead end, you know, before she's caught, you know, by the Marines and everything. Um, so, uh, yeah. Yep. I, I did see that, but I didn't write it down. I should have written it down. Um, I'm such a terrible note taker. Uh, <laughs> um, so then, then there's uh, the second part of it, right? Which is that, um, you know, she orders a centurion to kill her so yeah. that she can uh, experience, you know, the the rebirth or regeneration or, or resurrection. There we go. One of those R words. Um, you know, again, and, you know, she comes up and says, uh, there's something beautiful, miraculous between life and death. Mm-hmm. Um, and and it's kind of like a dream. Mm-hmm. Although maybe, like, it's also kind of like the Cylon equivalent of, like, life flashing before your eyes, but mm-hmm. it's like future or, like, dream life. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I don't, I mean... Like, we don't know the meaning of this other than that, like, it's, it seems like she's done this before. Like, maybe we don't know for sure. Right. It seems like she's at least, I don't know how many times, but starting to experiment with this and, and knows what she's going through it to have this experience each time. Right. Um, And so the question becomes, is that the cause of her? Because like, she's clearly dreaming without doing that as well. Mm-hmm. And like, is there a correlation or, or a connection between those? Mm. Um, but also she seems to be hiding it. Right. Cause like she orders the centurion to erase. Right. Records of it. So um, she's not, presumably she's not telling the others about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and and she's actively trying to hide it from them. So like, why is it just because like she doesn't know and doesn't want to like, like it's one of those things where like I don't want to tell anyone until I figure out what it is. Mm-hmm. Or is it like would they be appalled by it? Um, mm-hmm. But on the same token, like, do they not just ask like, wait, well, how'd you die? <laughs> like, right, sure. I feel like that would be like a com- like like that should be a common intake procedure of like newly resurrected Cylons like okay well how'd you die what could we have done to avoid it like <laughs> you know if you had if, if the Cylons had like a good HR exit interview know, team, yeah. yeah yeah like or well or entrance interview entrance like, interview not, yeah like, re-entrance yeah, like, interview yeah yeah um like an intake yeah thing so yeah I don't but I don't know it, it's it is kind of weird um but yeah, we don't really like we don't. Right. Well, and however many times, however many times she's done it, they are starting to catch on by the end, like of whatever, you know, like you know, she's kind of mm-hmm. telling them about her vision when she kind of wakes up in her tub of goo, um, you know. So it's gonna start if if it's been a secret, it's probably not gonna be for much longer that she's been doing this. Right. Um, 
Yeah. So, um, yeah, after all this stuff with three kind of having, you know, visions and doubts and she spoke to the Oracle and she kind of had this connection to Hera and now Baltar kind of got in her head. She's like getting more and more sort of curious about, you know, the bigger questions of Cylon life and afterlife and everything. Mm -hmm. Um, so, um, yeah. And getting, if not entirely like reckless, at least pushing the boundaries of acceptable, like, um, to what extent will she go to find out the answers to these mysteries? Like, even though, okay, not that big a deal for the Cylons to die and then download and resurrect, still, you don't get the impression that it's totally normal to, like, kill yourself over and over in order to experience that. So she's kind of getting a little bit eccentric, I think, in the way she's behaving. Mm -hmm. Sure. Um... Yeah, all right. So, should we move on? Sure. Uh, yeah, let's. Uh, okay. So, uh, Angel, this week, uh, a new world. Uh, and so the new world is actually our world. And the person who's new to it is Connor. Um, yeah. Uh, or Pete Campbell, as I like to call him. Um, I'm not going to call him Pete Campbell for like the rest of this series, but um, it is a little hard to not. Assuming see he's him. in the rest of the series. Hmm. Sure, sure, this is true. Um, <laughs> okay, so Connor slash Stephen, as he likes to be called. Um, yes. So I kind of want to start. Which which we did have that reference before by the way just to a callback um yeah when yeah. when holtz and justine were in the car together uh i believe that's where we get the name first yeah and um i did realize that at some point uh it it that you know i recalled that he kind of set that up earlier that that would be you know so you're implying that um at least some version of that plan you know, came to be like, okay, they didn't grow right. up. He didn't grow up in a farm in Montana or whatever he was supposed to do, but right. like it sort of was a hell dimension instead, but still <laughs> the implication is that through the name Steven, he's been raised by Holtz somewhere else, yeah. you know? I mean, kind of six of one, half dozen of another. <laughs> yeah. Um, we look forward to the letters of angry Montana listeners. Um, so, do we, uh, do we have any? So, <laughs> I mean, so I guess we're guaranteed not to the, now. The but raging like... fans of Montana. Um, I don't even remember if it was Montana. It was probably something else. Um, okay. So, so it picks up kind of where it left off, um, with, you know, him kind of just appearing and saying, hi, right. dad. Um, and then this kind of extended fight sequence ensues where he takes on all of them, kind of. 
I mean, mm. they're not all fighting. Like it's really Angel and um, Gun and Gru are really doing the majority of the fighting. But um, but you know, you kind of see Connor as you know not just like kind of a scrappy fighter in the like you know Gun. Oh, I'm the muscle kind of way, but like that he has you know he's not totally magical but has kind of slightly superhuman abilities of like acrobatics and you know you know fight training but also you know um slightly enhanced abilities like you know that kind of make you it, it, you know reminds me a little bit more of like the vampires and stuff which is obviously where he comes from um that like mm -hmm. He's not obviously demonic, but like he can jump really high and, you know, kind of has abilities that don't seem quite, you know, purely human. Um, and yeah, can we as, can... as he's the, the first vampire spawn that we know of, then why not? Um, that right. seems like he would have he does have a superhuman side. He has an extra, you know, part of his heritage. Um, but since this is the episode of grievances, can we talk about the CGI of him jumping onto that bus? Yeah. The, you know, the fight, the fight scenes are actually not bad. Like with the like, no, acrobatics and stuff, they're pretty good. Um, yeah. Like it doesn't have that thing of, I feel like they got a lot better at it, but early on, like with Buffy, I feel like it was really obvious when it was Buffy's stunt double, and then it they got some better matches. And I don't feel like this ever gets to that level of like, yeah, like it's clearly someone just in a wig. But um, yeah, him jumping onto the bus isn't the finest realistic hu human movement on a TV budget is not usually the greatest well yeah right and this is and in 2001 or whatever this is right right 15 or whatever years ago yeah so. yeah yeah um yeah i mean you watch movies from 2001 and the effects look dated so i'm not gonna fault a tv show for it um but it is a little it is a little uh obvious um the other but yeah, thing about sorry, it, I didn't not not I didn't mean to interrupt too much, but just you know, again, since we're airing our grievances, sure, no, that is a a, a noticeable one for sure. Um, so, and this isn't a grievance; this is just an observation. But um, the kind of Peter Pan outfit that they have him in, you know, this sort of like lost boy of the jungle who's sort of cobbled together yeah. his his clothes out of like leaves and animal skin you know and it's sort of like um it just has a very um you know kind of natural and feral feel to it which sort of goes mm -hmm. along with this sort of you know otherworldly kid who comes over and can kind of like he can't quite fly around but he kind of is clearly not of He's not just regular, the regular kid that you might have thought he would be. Um, so, yeah. yeah. So. Well, and, and also, so, right, there's the physical, you know, what he's wearing and 
his capabilities and all of that. But there's also sort of like, like his straightforwardness, his not his you know not quite understanding of like social mm-hmm. cues. Like, oh, it's bad to kill people. <laughs> like, like that. Which, yeah. You know, I mean, on the other hand, like they were trying to hurt him too. So like, there is sort of a a reasonable, you know thing uh, uh, reason I guess you know why he would think of killing them so that they're no longer a threat but you know at the same time it's like yeah we don't do that here right you know, and those, right well those it, types of things it seems more than just oh you know scared otherworldly child shows up and attacks out of kind of fear or self-defense or something like the way he kind of turns up says hi dad and then like throws a stake straight at angel the implication is that he this is intentional like he's assassinating him like he's been sure he's either elected to come or been sent to get rid of angel because he doesn't he jumps right in knows exactly who he's talking to and proceeds to try to take him out um I mean, after that, it's a group fight, so I guess you can kind of use the self-defense argument, but, like, it doesn't seem like he's confused about where he is or what he's trying to do, to me. Um. Yeah. I agree with that. I would I would say, like, okay, like, they, you know, opened the portal you know, right in the hotel and whatever. And like Holtz would have known how to do that. But like, obviously Connor has no experience in our world. So like the question is like, like I'm guessing he had no uh, expectation of, of leaving that room. Like it was, he's there and fight to the death and there's no thought about what happens beyond, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, that moment or that fight. And when Angel lets him up, mm-hmm. like that's when he's running scared. So I, I yeah. think there, like, like I definitely think that there's, like you're right, like he's there's no confusion when he first gets there. But it's, and and the question becomes, is it, like maybe he's confused by the mercy, right? He's expecting sure. Angel to kill him. Yep. Um. Yep. And so that that might be a part of it, too, is that everything he's been told and heard about Angel is that he's a vicious vampire and whatnot. But right, right, um, right. Like it, it, it was supposed to be a fight to the death, but it's not because Angel, you know, wins the fight, but doesn't kill him. You know, he holds himself back at the last moment. Um, yeah. And that does seem to be that's the end of the fight. Like. You know, and and he's not going to keep going until one of them is killed. He, you know, at that point gets up and runs. So it does seem like something shifted there. Um, You know, that like, again, like you said, the mercy is scarier than Angel's actual trying to kill him. Um, Right. So Right. He's prepared to be killed. He's not prepared to be allowed to live right right um yeah so he you know takes off and you know runs and hops on a bus and um you know and so you you without any real 
plan seemingly he's just sort of off you know in the big city and they have to sort of uh try to track him down um so one of the other things that just sort of occurred to me too is that like holtz might have uh you know explained to him um you know what uh what the world is like but like Holtz also isn't from like this time period mm. and it's kind of a whole new world to him. And yeah, he spent a little while here, you know, a few months or whatever. Yeah. But like he might not totally understand like cars either. Right. <laughs> you know, and, and you know, other aspects of technology and things like that. So like, it's also curious to know like what, uh, how good the information Holtz gave him about the world mm-hmm. is as well. Mm-hmm. Um, which we don't, I mean, we don't know. It's just speculation on my part, but, um, yeah, just kind of a, a thought there. Right. Well, both from a, I mean, Holtz is totally unreliable, both as like a person knowledgeable about the century and also just from a like reliable narrator point of view of will, will he always even tell him the truth, you know? So from multiple directions, I think you're you're not at all sure what kind of information you know connor's been given and what impression he's been given about angel and the world and what's in the world and how does it work um so yeah but definitely like the the concrete examples like with the cars like he it doesn't he doesn't necessarily know to get out of the way of the cars um you know, right. he's a little freaked out by them, but doesn't even really seem to comprehend what they are or like, oh, there's a big metal thing moving towards me. I should probably get out of the way. Like he's just sort of, you know, he has no frame of reference for it. Um, mm-hmm. So. uh, Yeah, I guess you're kind of left to like start at least until we get to know him more, start to speculate in terms of what his life might have been like and what kind of information he's been given. Um, Which is, you pointed out, an interesting connection between these two episodes, um, that they're both about, you know, characters who were sort of stolen away to other worlds, given incomplete or unreliable or even misleading information, and then sent back to presumably sabotage the people that, you know, from where they came from um you know and they're kind of sent back as this you know assassin without real understanding of the situation um and who exactly is trustworthy um right so yeah kind of a funny overlap there um all right, so Connor runs away. I mean, we'll get to the other characters, but basically they kind of split up to try to track him down and, you know, and find him and everything. And there's some, you know, uh, business of, you know, following buses and figuring out traffic routes and all that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, it was just fairly straightforward. Um, but so the next kind of big sequence is, you know, another fight sequence when he meets... He kind of bumps into a bunch of, you know, drug dealers um, and them, you know, starting to threaten um, 
you know, a client, you know, a girl who can't, you know, pay for, you know, what she's trying to, to buy. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, he steps in to, you know, be the hero and uh, kills a couple guys and uh, bites off another guy's ear and uh, walks away with the girl. So, um, uh, cut, cuts off. Cuts off. Sorry, not bites. I don't know why I said bites. Um, yeah. That would be weirder. Um, I, I mean, they're both kind of weird. But yeah. Um, so, so he doesn't expect mercy from angel but you know i think we see that he doesn't have a completely totally skewed sense of morality in the sense that he sees someone in trouble who's about to be you know um you know victimized and he steps in and defends so you know it kind of implies there's some sense of you know what right and wrong might be um you know innocent person about to be killed by bad people means that i jump in and defend that person um so i don't know i mean we're all i'm still kind of feeling like i'm figuring out his character but like it's not that he's been raised to be totally amoral it's right. that maybe he's been raised with with fairly traditional morality, but then just lied to about who's on what side. Um, yeah, I mean, right. We don't, we haven't really gotten, I mean, we don't know Connor well enough here. Um, but yeah, besides like the skins and kill trophies and uh maybe sort of lack of social grace uh which are like all of equal level right like skins trophies lack of social grace um uh we don't we don't really know kind of what he is and like he kind of acts like a normal you know older teenage boy who sees maybe an attractive girl you Mm -hmm. know and um is also capable to help you know you get her away from someone who's threatening her or whatever mm-hmm. um but yeah i mean there's obviously like you know again like how much of this is holt's failing to tell him or not understanding on of his own like did holt know about heroin you know like and mm-hmm. the bad medicine <laughs> you know that she was using like or would he like in the 17 or 16 or whatever hundreds like would Holtz have even had like the same view of Mm -hmm. drugs in that way like right you know who knows um or you know hell dimension maybe it never came up you know like this could just be again or maybe it's just like yeah like like, like the cars this could just be something without without reference in his experience, you know, um, you know, like the, what, what has he even seen that this can be compared to? Um, it might be something totally alien to him. Um, so yeah, I mean, he sees a spoon and kind of thinks, I know what that's for, you know? Um, and that's the thought of, 
it being potentially harmful or even like doesn't even have to be heroin, just even something like poisonous or something doesn't even seem to really um, occur to him. Like it's a, it's an Mm -hmm. eating tool. That's where you eat what's on it. That's all there is to it. Um, Right. Which even kind of in some ways, now that I think about it goes against the like, animal skins and all that because that kind of implies like someone who can kind of live in who's lived in the wild and like can fend for themselves but like people like that know to think twice before they just eat something whereas like it's almost kind of innocent that he just says oh you know that that must be food I can eat it and she has to say no you have to be careful you can't just like you know this isn't you know this isn't right. good for eating, um, which suggests to me that he's a little naive about that. Like he hasn't necessarily like fended for himself to have to think about, can I eat everything? Are there things that are harmful to me that I should be careful of? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he hasn't been fending on his own in the wild. Like I think that kind of tells me that he's been taken care of by Holtz, you know, and maybe he's had his kills and collected his trophies, but he hasn't just been totally on his own for the last 17 years or something. Sure. Um, yeah. And I mean, so that's also like a trope, right? Is that, uh, sort of competent, you know, fighter, whatever, but also naive in sort of the ways of the world, you know? Um, I'm thinking of, uh, so the, the new Marvel Netflix, uh, thing just came out over this last weekend, um, Iron Fist, Mm -hmm. which like has a very similar sort of, you know, feel is that of, you know, this kid who was, you know, in a plane with his parents that crashed uh, in the Himalayas, um, you know, when he was 10 years old. And so he was rescued by these monks who, you mm-hmm. know, trained him to be this fighter and all of this stuff, but, you know, comes back to New York. And so like, I feel like that's, that's sort of that, mm-hmm. that common trope of like, yeah, someone who's really smart and cunning and capable in all sort of the primal, you know, mm-hmm whatever ways but like has no clue about like business and industry and technology and you Mm -hmm. know uh social relationships and Mm -hmm. those types of things um yeah yeah well it's kind of Mowgli and Tarzan and all the kind of like wild feral and, and like even Peter Pan again with like a thimble you know like like misunderstanding what you know what words refer to and how symbols work and um Mm -hmm. you know how does how do those things affect human interaction and all that kind of thing um and not that he's not capable of feeling those things but maybe he's not as capable of communicating them um so uh yeah, which so we see, he, I mean, he's definitely at least, uh, you know, somewhat capable of human feeling, um, you know, because he gets 
pretty attached to Sonny pretty quickly. Um, sure. You know, and uh, I mean, so we don't actually get that much. Like they kind of, she takes him with her to, you know, her, one of her shelters, um, you know, kind of an abandoned building and, you know, a place that they can hide out. She's kind of clearly like, you know, a runaway and, um, you know, kind of scavenging for, you know, food, you know, when she can get it and everything. Um, so she kind of, you know, takes him under her wing and, and everything. Um, and, but we don't actually like get too much into her backstory, I guess. Um, I mean, there's some stuff about, there's some kind of hints about, you know, maybe her story, like the lines about, you know, it's medicine. It helps me when I'm sad and everything. Um, which is a little bit. Uh, it doesn't end up going anywhere, but the first, when I first watched it, I kind of wondered, like, if Connor was going to end up, you know, trying some of the drugs because, you know, the way she said, like, like the way he's kind of like, oh, you're sad. Like, I'm expecting him to say, oh, I'm sad too. And her be like, well, this will help, you know, like, but the fact that she, (laughs) the fact that he sees what it does by the end of the episode seems like it kind of puts the you know, a stop to that, but you could see a scenario where he, out of just curiosity or wanting to be, you know, to feel better or to try something or to do what she's doing, ends up kind of getting into, you know, the the addiction himself just to kind of, because he doesn't know what it is. He doesn't know not to do it. Um, sure. Uh, and I mean, he's certainly a, a lonely, uh, mixed up kid like she is. So kind of seems like it's heading that direction, but, um, yeah. Um, but it doesn't because she ODs, um, they're, yeah. they're starting to get close, you know, uh, but before it goes anywhere, she, uh, you know, says, you know, I'll be right back. And, uh, you know, doesn't come back. So he sees kind of immediately what the, the medicine does. Right. So, which is when Angel shows up. Um, cause he's about to do the chip off the old block. He's about to go take some revenge on, you know, the people responsible, um, you know, and angels there to, uh, to stop him and give him, you know, his, his tough dad love and everything. Um, um, yeah. So, right. And so with the, the, there's sort of the multiple confrontations there, right? So it's, First, the confrontation between Angel and Connor, which then gets interrupted when uh, the drug dealer. I don't. Do we get his name? I, if we do, I don't remember where it is. Yeah, I don't know. Um, and then the police show up, so it's kind of like this escalating, you know, uh, issue. But yeah, like the the 
so the stuff between Angel and Connor is like like we get most of their interaction there, right? And it's Angel who's usually like pretty laconic, right? Mm-hmm. And uh not great at expressing his feelings, who becomes like the rambling Mm-hmm. you know dad trying to imperfectly sort of explain his thoughts and emotions to his son who clearly doesn't care and is just trying to is just sort of like waiting him out until like he stops talking yeah <laughs> um and like connor answers in like those sort of like short mm-hmm clippy things so one of my favorite moments actually is when um you know right after the drug dealer comes in and is like who are you and angel's like i'm his father and connor's like no you're not and it's like totally sounds like a rebellious teenager like right saying to his actual father you're not my dad and you're not i'm nothing, right. nothing like you you know like right, right. um not that he's being that impetulant thing but but like it's it's the sort of vibe that yes you know yeah. you get from that um but yeah like there's also that you know thing of like angel sort of like like pouring out his heart or whatever mm-hmm. um and then connor being like yeah stop calling me connor that's not my name yeah. and it's just like like everything that like angel has like because you know like he's just sort of been assuming that like and not that like parents in the real world don't do this either, but like just sort of assuming that Connor is just an older version of the baby mm. that he was holding. Right. Like, like if you want to like go all metaphorical here, this is like, you know, the problem that many parents have of like realizing that their children are fully independent, you know, personages that, have their own thoughts and feelings and emotions and desires and, you Mm -hmm. know, all of those things that don't correspond to what the parents' idea of who their children is. is. Sure. Who their children are is. The idea of who their children are is. Yeah. (laughs) So something like that. I don't know. I don't know if I worded that correctly, but... um, Right. Yeah, yeah. Like when, no, and, when, and and that it it happens overnight. You know, how did you get so right? Like did that happen. Yeah, yeah. Like here, it's like almost literally overnight, right? right? Like, but yeah, as I mean, as a parent myself, like it definitely, like you know, I have a twelve-year-old and a almost sixteen-year-old. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's just like, man, how is that created? And it's like worse now that like Facebook pops up, you know, like pictures because like right. Like, not even that, like, Facebook, like, Facebook hasn't actually been around that long. Right. Yeah, I mean, long in internet terms, but, like, not that long in, like, life terms. Yeah. And, but, like, like, there's, there's pictures of my kids at very young ages, and it's just like, oh, wow, that was kind of, like, it wasn't that long ago, but it is mm-hmm. long. But, like, seeing that picture just pop up unexpectedly on your feed in the morning is, like. Yeah you don't yeah like you realize it but don't realize like how fast it it goes and so right right, like so the yeah there's that metaphor of like my kid grew up overnight and like this is literally i don't understand them at all Um, yeah 
<laughs> right. And right. And that's the, that's the fear, right? It's like, I mean, it's exacerbated by the fact that like it was somewhere else that this happened. Right. Um, but yeah, uh, I, I well, mean, I don't know where to take it from there, but yeah. Um, and I feel like that, um, in a kind of, um, kind of charming way, the way that like angels concerns and fears are so regular throughout the episode that like, it's everyone else that's like, you know, Hey, that kid like tried to kill us. And angels just saying like, well, he's, he's angry and afraid and you know like all this stuff like again like you would totally hear a, a dad say about defending the their kid and it's like the contrast between the kind of like superhuman violence of Connor's actions and Angel's sort of mundane defense of him is kind of you know humorous but it, but also like I think kind of plays into that metaphorical aspect like you were saying like like, it doesn't matter that he grew up brainwashed in a hell dimension. He's he's his kid. He's angry and afraid. Of course I'm going to, like, try to, like, talk to him and, you know, get him to come. I just want him to come home and all that, you know. He doesn't right. actually feel differently just because the circumstances are, like, supernatural and extraordinary and everything. Um, you know, and, like, he says, like, like you've been okay what was it like did you have any friends like it's the kind of stuff that like when you come home from college like you know your mom wants to know like who are your friends you know what are you what have you been doing like they're just so right. curious to know about your life just out of just i i want to know i'm just interested um sure and i feel like angel kind of communicates that like any kind of jokes like he's aware of how silly that sounds like oh, you weren't at summer camp, you're in a hell dimension. But in a way, it's kind of the same thing. It doesn't matter that he wasn't at summer camp. It's like, I don't know where you've been and I just want to know about your life. Um, right. And not even just because our lives depend on it, but just because as my kid, I'm interested to know about your life, you know? Right. Um, you know, and to know that he was okay. You know, like... Did you have any friends? The question of, was anybody looking out for you all this time? Mm -hmm. Was anybody taking care of you? Um, so. Yeah. Yeah. Like, Angel's very, like, resolutely, you know, kind of mundane in the way that he approaches, you know, the situation and everything. Um, which I think is kind of cool. Um, yeah. And you mentioned, like trying to be the reasonable one and trying to kind of lead by example of like, okay, Angel can't be the hot-headed one here, which he normally would be. So he has to say, um, let's talk this out, which is a thing we can do here. Like, <laughs> let's use this as a teaching moment, you know? Right. Um, <laughs> Going to stop in the middle of the, like the parlay to explain how, you know, people can talk their problems and they don't have to, you know, resort to violence and everything um so that's all like pretty funny um and okay well and so okay in that section too the one other line that jumped out to me is um 
you know, him kind of trying to explain to Connor, like what, what all happened and him kind of saying, you know, I shouldn't have, I shouldn't have quit and trying to like apologize. Like, I'm sorry for what happened and what your life has been and everything. And, and in that moment, I kind of wanted him to defend himself a little bit more because he didn't quit. Like it's literally only been a couple days, you know, or maybe, maybe a couple weeks sure. at the most. Um, and so I feel like there's still more unpacking to do in terms of like, okay, so Connor's seen that Angel can be merciful. He's seen him try to be reasonable. So he's kind of having new information shown him. And I feel like that's maybe a missing link is does Connor know that Angel um, that it's not like 17 years later in Angel's timeline. Like, it's not like it's 17 years and I gave up. It's like, no, yeah. it's literally been like two weeks. Um, and I've been desperately trying to get you back that whole time. Yeah. Um, and and Connor probably knows that Angel doesn't age either. So like, right. so, there's no point yeah. of reference. Like he's, I mean, not that Connor would remember what he looked like before, but like. No, but he wouldn't be expecting that he looks like a young man. Or something. Yeah. 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 Right. Sorry. Right. So I feel like that was like a moment where I was kind of yelling at the screen to say like, wait, you have to tell him like, come on, like you can't, you're leaving, you know, you're mm -hmm. leaving out an important part of the story that like he never sure. actually did give up on him. It's just that there was this kind of, you know, time jump involved. Okay. So the drug dealers show up and then the cops show up and there's a big, you know, showdown, shootout. Um, mm -hmm. Angel ends up, you know, taking a bullet, you know, jumping in front of Connor, um, yeah. you know, and then they sort of jump out the window together. Um, so... You know, Connor doesn't completely abandon him. He at least, like, um, waits to see what happened to him and, you know, and kind of... So it kind of seems like he's starting to, you know, he doesn't just hightail it out of there and abandon him the first chance he gets. There's some hesitance of maybe I should wait, maybe I should hang around and kind of see, you know, where things are going to go. Um yeah. But, uh, I mean, that's kind of, that's kind of it. They, you know, but they do yeah. end up, they do end up parting ways that he won't, Angel just wants his kid to come home and, uh, and, uh, he doesn't, he right. runs off to meet his other dad. Um, so you get the bookend of, you know, hi dad again at the end, um, to a very kind of old and like you know grizzled looking holtz um who to be honest i couldn't tell from the way it was shot if he's just very old or if he's kind of slightly like demonish as well um hmm. i feel like it's maybe just the light wasn't good in my apartment or something like i couldn't tell like i feel like i need to see the next episode to really um, 
see what he looks like. Maybe he's just old, but I couldn't really tell. And you can tell me or not tell me. Whatever. Uh, I don't, yeah, I don't think he's changed at all. I think he's just old. Okay. All right. Well, that settles that. Um, anything else about Connor and Angel? Because I don't know if I have anything. No, I think that's that's it. I mean, you know, Connor's still alive. Holtz is around, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, we don't know. So here's a question. Mm-hmm. Where did Holtz come from? Because the last we saw, he was taking Connor into Kortok. And we mm-hmm. saw Connor come back from Kortok. Right, but we and didn't then Holtz see Holtz is here. So. Mm. So is know. he, is he. I know we're, we haven't talked about Cordy and Gru yet, but does yeah. he come through while they're knocked out? Mm. And if so, why does he not kill them? Because, mm. like, he's. He's threatened to kill all of Angel's people before. Right. I'm just going to keep saying, because mm, I have no idea. Yeah. All right. Fair enough. I, I don't I don't even really have I wasn't sure if that guess. was like you were thinking um, and had an answer or... I mean, if not, that's fine. Like, we don't have to have an answer. Literally hadn't occurred to me until you just pointed this out. Um, um, no, that's... A good point, and I don't have even a guess, really. Um, okay. I mean, unless there's some other way of he's projecting and not really here. Um, other than that, he must have come through at some point when they... I mean, but the portal's been open for a while. So... Sure, like, it could have been while they were sleeping or something. I mean, there's like, that, too. Like, he could have come through ahead of Connor and been preparing you know, since, you know, what, at whatever point, you know, it's been open this whole time. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, I don't know that I have like a specific guess really. Um, so yeah. Sure. And actually that's a good point too, because, uh, we kind of both concluded that Connor didn't expect to make it out of the fight with Angel, um, well, I guess he thought he might have won, and so right. and so this is if you win, here's the rendezvous. Is this is our meetup? Because I was thinking like he clearly knows to expect Holtz, and he knows where to go to meet him. So there must have been some plan in place yeah. of, you know, if all goes well, meet at this location, and we'll, you know, go from there. Yeah. Yeah, like, we don't know what sort of um, instructions or descriptions or mm-hmm. whatever, you know, Holtz might have right. given him to get there. But, right, there's at least some level of detail that is right. sufficient. I mean, right. he's, and, a, and he's Holtz... also a tracker, right? Like, I mean, he's a hunter and he knows sure. how to do things. Sure. Um. Sure, but like Holtz, it seems like didn't just come through 
um, on a whim. It seems like there's a plan and, you know, they have, you know, some protocol set up, I guess. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Um, I guess it remains to be seen exactly what, where the plan goes from here since he wasn't able to just kill Angel right then and there. Um, we will find out. So, all right. On to the other couples who don't have a ton of stuff to do, but, you know, get little things here and there. Um, mm -hmm. Cordy and Gru stay to guard the portal. Um, Cordy tries to close it with her demon powers and doesn't really do anything, which is like, is that all it is to being a demon is like commanding something and then just, don't you have to like know how to harness your powers or does it, I mean, when we've seen Cordy do stuff, it's been more accidental than that. You know, it's sure. been like she I levitated mean... without realizing it or she had that magical light without controlling it. So to suddenly kind of think I can just like snap my fingers and do what I want. It seems like there's more, some more thought or training has to go into it than that. Um, so I'm not surprised that it doesn't just. Yeah. I mean, work. like maybe we could use the uh, Tolkien, Tolkienian elves as sort of a mm. comparison of like, you know, Gladriel saying, like, what do you mean by magic? It's just a thing that I do. <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. like, like, I don't, I don't, I think the difference being with Cordy is that she was, like, turned into a demon of some kind. Right. And not, like, born that way. So, like, she might technically have the abilities, but doesn't have whatever knowledge that you know, it's like, you know, you grow up just learning how to do things. You don't like, I mean, you've, right. you know, when did you learn to snap your fingers? It's something you clearly learned along the way how to do, but like, right. do you remember that specific moment? No, probably not. And there's lots of those sort of little imitative, mm -hmm. you know, actions that people take that they learned when they were so young that they know, or, or like just even like facial cues and expression, like you learn those from other people, but mm -hmm. you do it at such a young age that, right. you know, it just, it feels natural and um, instinctual when in reality it's not technically. Right. So, right. And on a, um, on a kind of subconscious level. Sure. So yeah, like I don't, I don't have a great answer, but that would be sort of my, interpretation of that is that like it's like learning a new language as an adult like mm -hmm. yes it's possible but it's harder and maybe you're never going to speak it like a native but mm -hmm. um that would be my answer for why cordy seems to struggle with knowing and understanding her abilities and and that includes knowing the extent of them not just how to harness them but also like Mm -hmm. Is this possible for me to do? I don't know. Never thought about it. Let's give it a shot. Like, right, right. You know, is there any reason to think that she can't do it? No. So maybe she can. <laughs> right. right. Um, no. And I would have found it a little odder had she just been able to do it that easily with 
you know. Sure. Um, you know, the fact that she does have to sort of learn this this ability and learn this new skill that she probably has buried in her somewhere, but it takes a little more, um, you know, thought than that makes sense to me. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, so they can't just, she can't just close the portal, um, but anything else could keep coming through it at any time. So Lauren goes off to, you know, get his friend of a friend who might be able to help them. Um, and Cordy and Gru uh, stay behind to guard it. Um, and I guess the only other, um, you know, the big plot point is um, Gru not just noticing for the first time, but starting to vocalize his his frustrations, you know, about um, about Angel. Getting a little, I, he's pointed it out before, but he's getting kind of, he's starting to get a little snippy. You know, like the lines about like, uh, you know, we must always consider Angel. We must obey his wishes. He's our leader. Know. Yeah, he's getting his sarcasm is creeping in. You know, um, so right, which is, which is very weird given how earnest he is. Right, you know, like, right. All of the time, it's like in if the past, yeah. but like most of the time, if now. he's being like, snide, then it must really be bothering him because. He is generally very, like, sincere and, you know, open about his feelings and everything. And you know precisely where he learned that from. Sure. (laughs) Like, I mean, dating Cordy, how can you not pick up on, you know, being sarcastic? Right. right? Little digs and, yeah. Um, And I think it, it indicates that he's not buying her platitudes you know that like he's actually they have talked about this before and she's said like you know um he's going through a hard she's given the same explanation she gives here um at least once or twice before and um Mm. the fact that he's he seems not to be convinced by that um so uh yeah so that's kind of a little bit still a kind of tension for them um and then they uh you know go to kiss and when they get like blasted apart by lightning so that's not great for the relationship um and it's it's during that period that i suppose halts or any number of things could have come through the portal and we don't know could have had we have no idea because the camera cuts away and that's all that we see um so yeah. yeah, but otherwise they're okay. Um, so at least they didn't get like killed by something while they were unconscious. Sure. Um, all right, Fred and Gun. Um, also, cause some a little bits of tension with them because there's this, you know, split that's forming between Wesley, of course, you know, um, about. Right you know how to how to handle the wesley situation and fred is more and more pushing to go to him to ask for help but also try to kind of include him and get him back in um mm-hmm. whereas gun is being more and more forceful that um he did that once that's it he was very clear we can't do that again you know um that's that's all there is to it um, you know, to the point where they're starting to like 
you know, get very firm about it where she's like, I'm calling Wesley. And he says, no, you're not like, so like starting to kind of her defy, she's starting to say like, screw you. I'm going to do what I want. And he's starting to tell her what to do, which is like, right. You know, not a, a thing that they've kind of been before they've been doing before they've been kind of on the same page. And even if they disagreed, they kind of knew how to compromise. Whereas here, they're not uh, really finding a lot of common ground. And not only that, but it's not that long ago that like, like where it was the whole fake scene of gun being really mean and rude. Sure. And like now he's, actually being mean and rude Mm -hmm. and like it was after that where it was like oh i'm sorry but it was just like this one time thing and you Mm -hmm. know i'm never gonna do that again and it's like well here you are like commanding her not to go see wesley and it's Mm -hmm. like when when does that ever like in any relationship when does like commanding your partner not to do something ever work out like right right i forbid you to do something is never a good look um right right um so, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, and I feel like it's maybe not quite as unattractive a quality, but I feel like it's a shift for Fred, too, to be that defiant. Because Fred is normally the one who kind of is more meek and goes with the flow and does what she's told without, you know. Mm. Um, she might protest a little bit, but, like, basically she's not generally the one saying here's what I'm going to do and you're going to like it. Like, you know, so even for her to get to the place where she's ready to just go and do what she thinks is the right thing, regardless of what Gunn says, um, is, you know, I think a little bit of a shift for her. Mm -hmm. Um, But it doesn't get to a real confrontation because I think that's when when, um, Lauren turns up. Um, with his reinforcements. So it kind of diffuses the situation. Um, And so he has uh, Mistress Myrna, who, you know, uh, can close the rift um, and keep scaring everyone because she pops up from other dimensions and, like, jumps right behind them, you know, um, at random moments. Um, And, I mean, there's not too much to say other than that she kind of she both definitively closes it and says i have no idea what else came through so leaves open the possibility that there's like a whole ton of crap that came through that they don't know about um holtz maybe but maybe other things as well so it doesn't actually totally solve their problem um so yeah I don't know. Anything else about the like portal closing plot line that we didn't cover? No, I mean, I do feel like it's a little bit, you know, like the bulldog thing um, where like they kind of dragged it out maybe a little longer than sure. they needed to. Um, sure. But yeah. Yeah. I mean, it does give you at least the opportunity to have like those uh, relationship moments between Cordy and brew and mm-hmm. Fred and gun but yeah i don't i don't i don't think it needs to be like you know extremely mm-hmm. uh, i don't think we need to dwell on it 
more, I guess is what I'm saying. But. Okay. Um, so finally, um, we get a scene with uh, Wesley and Lila. Um, so Lila, her usual uh, meddling, um, you know, instigating self comes and kind of starts to recruit Wesley and kind of says like, well, you know, like you have a lot of knowledge of, you know, old, you know, spells and demons and, you know, magical things. And you're kind of pissed off at Angel and don't are without friends to, you know, work with you or support you. And hey, you know, I've got a firm where we can use someone like you. Um, and, uh, she talks up their library to kind of sweeten the pot somewhat. Um, you know, try to make it sound as attractive as she can. Sure. Um, so, I mean, that he is, he, he that is kind of a funny, and, uh, hmm. sorry. No, go ahead. I was just, that is kind of like funny, like, you know, oh, did I mention we have the finest library of mythical, occult, and supernatural reference material. Yeah. And then then also like full medical dental 401k pack. Like it's yeah. like, you know, the perks. hardcore re recruitment yeah. drive here. Yeah. Yeah. The perks of Wolfram and Hart. Um, so, yeah. I mean, he doesn't, he doesn't do it. He refuses, but that, that door's been opened. There's that suggestion of like, here's where you might be appreciated and might have access to all sorts of, you know, resources that you don't have otherwise. Um, and then on top of that, I mean, I think the most interesting part is, you know, her kind of, you know, mean-spirited uh, referencing of of Dante. Kind of like, all right, if, I'm, if I can't uh, recruit you through flattery or through temptation, then maybe I can do it through, like, getting you to just hate yourself enough that you'll join up with the bad guys, <laughs> like be so despairing of your own soul that you might as well come with us because you're doomed anyway. Um, mm -hmm. You know, which is kind of the point of her little riff about, uh, you know, the, the, the deepest circle of hell is, you know, for the, for the traitors, um, you know, so, not only have you sinned, but you've sinned in like the worst possible way imaginable. And, and you're really in for it. And there's no real redemption. There's no coming back from this. Um, so one, what's one the thing, point in resisting really? One, one thing um, I, I do want to give a little shout out here, I guess, is that they actually get it right in describing the ninth circle of hell as frozen, uh, mm. you know, block of ice or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, so many, so many people just assume hell is all fire. It's just, you know, such ignorance. Yeah. Noobs. Yeah. yeah. No, no, they know what they're, they know what they're about. Yeah, they've, they've done their research. Yes. Um, hey, you know, if anybody knows what is in the deepest circles of hell, it's maybe Wolfram and Hart. Um, right. So yeah, I, I hope mean, they get it right. Um, you know, some of them have probably been there. Yeah. Uh, so, 
Yes, no, that's a good, that's maybe, a good point. Ooh, maybe Dante worked for Wolfram and Hart. <laughs> worked for them. Slight Works. in Dante's character. <laughs> um, yeah. So yeah, that's uh, that's where we leave it. Is is comparing Wesley to uh, to Judas. Um, sure, and well, and and then the implication that he is now worse than they are, even mm -hmm. right, because they at least. They're at least not, they don't betray. Mm -hmm. I mean, they do. But like, you know what I mean? Like all of the bad things that they've done, like at least they're mostly honest about it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, they might be backstabbers and betrayers, but they're not like lying backstabbers and betrayers. Sure. <laughs> um, Isn't there a line in Firefly about like, if you're going to, shoot me in the back, do it to my face or something yeah. like that. Like, I mean, like, they're like, they're like that, you know, they're not going to stab you in the back to your back. They're going to do it honestly. Um, so yeah. Right. <laughs> I forgot about that line. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't remember. I don't remember that. I don't remember exactly what it is. It's it's when oh, yeah. it's after next time, Jane's it's Jane's betrayal yeah yeah ne next time you decide to stab me in the back have the guts to do it to my face right right um yeah that's kind of the that right. well and that's the 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 maybe Mal Reynolds would agree with this that like hey there's a lot of sinners on that ship but the one thing that is beyond forgiveness is the betrayal. You know, um, you know, they all have, you know, in Firefly, they're, they're from some shady backgrounds. They've done some sketchy stuff, but, um, the loyalty is really the, the key, um, you know, virtue. Um, so, uh, whether or not this is a true statement that, you know, that Lila or Dante is making, um, at least I feel like a lot of people believe that, um, that like there is something exceptional about, you know, betrayal as, you know, a, a sin and everything. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, so Wesley, Wesley who was pretty defensive up to this point, you know, at least to Fred about, you know, uh, I had a, I had my reasons. Um, you know, the question is, is that still, would he still say the same after this, you know, um, after this argument? Like, would he say it wasn't really a betrayal because it was with good motivation, it was for the greater good, and so it doesn't really count as treachery? Um, or is he kind of, a little shaken by this meeting. I'm not quite sure yet. I guess we have to see, um, see where it goes. If he starts to feel like maybe she, maybe Lila has a point. Um, hmm. I don't know. But he's looking at the drawings of hell at the end in a way that, you know, uh, seems like he might be dwelling on this notion a little bit.
Yeah. Um, yeah, so anything else with uh, Wes and Lila? No, I don't think so. I mean, we we don't, like, Wes refuses, but I don't think it would be a surprise to say that, like, they'll have other interactions. Like, you know, this isn't, we know that Wolfram and Hart doesn't, like, stop at one try, right? Right. So maybe there will be yeah. uh, more aggressive negotiations mm -hmm. uh, of a sort mm -hmm. at some point. Right. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to spoil anything or whatever, but I just, I, I'm saying I don't think it would be a surprise to anyone to right. have maybe uh, the offer extended again. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yep. All right. So are we back to Buffy again uh, next week, I think? Uh. Oh, you know what? I normally pull it up, but uh, give me one second and I'll, I'll find it. Um, we are, I, I believe so. I believe there were a couple weeks now where we're back to the back and forth. So this was, um, sorry, my page isn't loading as fast as I was hoping it would here. Um, it looks like it to me. Yes. Seeing, oh, seeing red. Yes. Okay. Um, yeah. So we'll be back with some Buffy next week and some more BSG. Yes. And um, for the BSG, it is um, one of the uh, extended episodes. I think like there's like Oh, one ep okay. one episode of each season on the Blu-rays that are extended somewhat, and this is uh, this is it. So anybody you know who might be listening and wants to watch that version, um, I think that's probably the one that we will talk about. Yep, sounds good. All right, see you then. Mm -hmm.